Christianity today, we are seeing a major shift. I have called this shift beyond evangelical. First, beyond evangelical doesn't mean non-evangelical. I am an evangelical. What is more, I stand with the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed, just in case anyone was wondering. In this regard, I agree with Alistair McGrath's statement that evangelicalism is historic Christianity. It's the standard bearer of historic Orthodox Christianity. But the term evangelical embraces a wide canopy, so much so that the word is becoming increasingly vague and open to interpretation. Evangelicalism has become a hyphenated movement. For instance, old evangelical, neo-evangelical, conservative evangelical, post-evangelical, post-conservative evangelical, ecumenical evangelical, charismatic evangelical, young evangelical, etc. are all in common use today. American historian Mark Knoll rightly points out that evangelicalism is made up of shifting movements, temporary alliances, and the lengthened shadows of individuals. The word evangelical has become so generalized that people like Jim Wallace, evangelical equals social activism reforms, and Al Mohler, evangelicalism equals fundamentalism, stand on the opposite sides of the evangelical spectrum. The same is true for Rob Bell on the left and John MacArthur on the right, both of whom claim to be evangelical. As Western culture has balkanized and changed the meaning of words over time, the same is true for religious vocabulary. We can no longer take for granted the meaning of terms like evangelical or evangelicalism. The evangelical formulas that worked in the past have evolved, so there's very little consensus today as to their exact meaning. Second, beyond evangelical doesn't mean post-evangelical. Popularized by Dave Tomlinson, the term post-evangelical is often equated with the emerging church movement phenomenon. While I have close friends who identify themselves with this movement, I do not. I appreciate my emergent friends and applaud some of their concerns while freely disagreeing with other concerns. In our book, Jesus Manifesto, Leonard Sweet and I address what we believe to be some of the critical weaknesses of emergent Christianity as it relates to the person of Jesus Christ. See chapter 7 of Jesus Manifesto. We also address some of the critical weaknesses we see in the religious right. See chapter 8 of Jesus Manifesto. Right or wrong, you know where I stand on those issues. Now here's something I'd like to say to my friends who are analyzing evangelicalism today. The future of evangelicalism is not restricted to a choice between the left or the right. Another direction exists. It's forward, as Sweet and I say in our book. Quote, The body of Christ is at a crossroads right now. The two common alternatives are to move either to the left or the right. It's our observation, however, that we are living in a unique time when people are frozen as they look in either of those directions. When they look to the left, they decide that they cannot venture there. When they look to the right, they feel the same. Whether they realize it or not, people are looking for a fresh alternative, a third way. The crossroads today, we believe, is one of moving forward or backward. End of quote. Jesus Manifesto, page XIII. The middle structure of evangelicalism collapsed long ago. 
as early as Harold Linzel's Battle for the Bible, leaving only the left wall and the right wall of the building. This collapse distorted the evangelical response to the rise of postmodernism by forcing it into the mold of the modern left versus the modern right. In this regard, the new reformed and emergent movements are really as modern as the fundamentalist versus liberalism groups that preceded them. For this reason, neither one is capable of salvaging evangelicalism. In addition, the third direction of forward is not based on the idea that evangelicalism needs a better theology. It's instead based on the question of how the Christian faith is to be lived out in its proper context, that is, as a kingdom community discovering and displaying Christ. The scourge of evangelicalism is that it has centered itself on making correct propositional statements rather than on a way of living in, through, or for the Lord Jesus in a shared life, local community. Third, for many evangelicals, the historical use of the word evangelical includes four key notes. The British evangelical historian David Bebbington has defined the word evangelical by the following four notes. Mark Knoll also uses this description as well as a host of others. The Anglican evangelical scholar Alistair McGrath stretches his definition to six hallmarks, but Bebbington's quartet is much more popular. The Reformed Canadian John Stackhouse uses six also, but they are different from McGrath's. American historian George Marston adds a fifth element to Bebbington's list, transdenominationalism. All of this just underscores the fact that the term evangelical has become a clay word. Donald Dayton, in his The Variety of American Evangelicalism, rightly points out that the variety within evangelicalism defies a single description. It should also be noted that historians trace evangelicalism back to the revival movements of the 18th and 19th century under George Whitfield, John Wesley, and Jonathan Edwards. Others trace it back to the reformers. Bebbington's evangelical quadrilateral includes Biblicism, being Bible-centered, which would include the belief that the Bible is the divinely inspired authority for life and faith. It is trustworthy and sufficient. Conversionism, being conversion-centered, which would include the need for being converted to Jesus Christ. Crucicentrism, being cross-centered, which would include emphasizing the death of Jesus for salvation. Activism, being activist-centered, which would include living the Christian life, evangelizing, and helping those in need. Winston Churchill said that Britain and America were two countries separated by a common language. The same can be said about the evangelical camp. Using the same terms do not equal agreement on their meaning. I hold to all of the above. Therefore, I am an evangelical in the historical sense. But going beyond evangelical means asking some incisive questions like, in what sense is the Bible authoritative? And how exactly does a person hear and encounter God through the scriptures? What's the main point of the Bible? The grand narrative. How is a person converted? And what does conversion give an individual? What does it include? What happened at the cross exactly? How does Jesus' death save us? Does his death on the cross do more than just forgive sins? If so, what? How should Christians present the gospel? What is God's central mission exactly? And what does the scripture teach concerning how we are to fulfill that mission? I predict that the question, what exactly is the mission, is going to define the missional church conversation over the next five years. This is always assumed, grossly so. So hide and watch. Over the last three years of my blog's existence, 
beyond evangelical, I have weighed in on some of these questions. My books also address them, but I've only scratched the surface. This leads us to the next point. Fourth, those of us who have moved beyond evangelical have expanded the evangelical quadrilateral with four additional notes. Christ-centered, a recovery of the Bible's consistent and razor-sharp emphasis that Jesus Christ is supreme, preeminent, sovereign, the center of biblical revelation, and the practical living head of the church. In today's evangelicalism, countless religious themes and subjects have replaced Christ as the centrality and supremacy. My book, Jesus Manifesto, is dedicated to this note. Resurrection life-centered. What stands beyond the cross is the resurrection of Jesus. The resurrection means so many things. It means the beginning of the new creation. It means the triumph of God over all things, including death, his greatest enemy. But it also means that God's people can live in the foretaste of our future resurrection, participating in its life and power here and now. It means that Jesus Christ is still alive, can be known, and has come to live out his resurrected life in and through us. Learning to live by the indwelling life of Christ in a corporate context and all that it involves is a missing note in modern evangelicalism. The latter is focused on imitating Jesus as an individual through one's own efforts. Living by the life of Christ also means being radically sold out to Jesus without being legalistic on the one hand or libertine on the other. My book, Revise Us Again, is dedicated to this note. See also my post, Legalism, License, Lordship, and Liberty, on the blog. Body life-centered. The typical evangelical holds to the idea that the Christian life is an individual pursuit. Church is something Christians attend in order to be motivated to go out and serve as an individual Christian and live a strong individual Christian life. But those who have gone beyond evangelical believe that the church is, as Dietrich Bonhoeffer put it, Christ existing as community. Church is not a denomination, a service, or something you attend. It's the experience of the body of Christ, a la body life. In fact, the Christian life doesn't work outside of a local shared life community that's meeting under the headship of Jesus Christ as his body on the earth. Consequently, how a local church functions and expresses itself is imminently important. My books, Pagan Christianity, Reimagining Church, and Finding Organic Church are dedicated to this note. Also, the messages, Vantage Point, and Who is This Woman on the podcast. Eternal Purpose Centered. God has an eternal purpose or grand mission that provoked Him to create. That purpose goes beyond the saving of lost souls and making the world a better place. God's purpose transcends evangelism and social action both of which are focused on meeting human needs. The eternal purpose is primarily by him, through him, and to him. Meeting human needs is a byproduct, not the prime product. My book, From Eternity to Here, is dedicated to this note, also the message entitled, The Eternal Purpose on the Podcast. Contemporary evangelicalism in America is essentially a reactionary movement. Another aspect of evangelicalism, though often unspoken, is that it builds its theology on the basis of apologetics. This raises an important question. Should our theology be built on apologetics or on the intention to know God in Christ and live by his life? As a result, it has produced an us-versus-them mentality. Those of us who have gone beyond evangelical 
have moved on from the early 20th century fundamentalist versus modernist debate that our forefathers passionately fought, a fight that continues to rope many contemporary Christians into today, some 100 years later. This fight leaves people with a false choice between left or right. The alternative direction of forward doesn't appear on the radar screen. Those who are beyond evangelical have moved on from that battle to discovering, exploring, and displaying the unsearchable riches of Jesus Christ with our brothers and sisters in Christ. How often do you hear that language in evangelical circles today? The vocabulary we find in books like Ephesians emerged from a living experience, an experience that is available to Christians today, though it be rarely found. I am not alone in observing the trend of moving beyond evangelical. Before his passing, Michael Spencer famously wrote about the coming evangelical collapse. Evangelicalism's social, cultural, and political influence has waned greatly and continues to do so. The popular perception of evangelicals should also be noted. Many view evangelical Christians as closed-minded, judgmental, self-righteous, condemning, hypocritical, deeming their own sins as less serious than that of others, unloving, and plagued by internal hostility and conflict. They often attack their fellow brethren. This is yet another reason why many Christians are moving beyond evangelical. Scott McKnight has written prolifically and intelligently on the present crisis that evangelicalism faces and the pressing need to reshape it. David Fitch has also written on the subject, though more for an academic audience, and a host of others have as well. This is part one of a series on the future of evangelicalism and the shape of the church. There's a lot more I wish to say on the subject, including an analysis of the four major streams populated by young evangelicals. Part two is coming, but it will be a while before I publish it. If you would like to read this talk in print, go to www.frankviola.org forward slash beyond.htm or just go to the blog frankviola.org look on the right hand panel and you will see a link that says what does beyond evangelical mean I plan to write the rest of the series on the blog in the days to come thanks for listening take care God bless